It was no doubt that Juan Catalan loved baseball. So much so that in May of 2003, he bought his mother tickets to the Dodger game for Mother's Day, knowing full well that she wouldn't actually use them. On that same night, 16-year-old Martha Puebla would be murdered outside of her home. Juan's ties to Martha would soon mean that he was the suspect in her murder. It would take a persistent lawyer, a baseball game, and an HBO sitcom to prove Juan's innocence. Hi, I'm your host Missy and I'm about to take you on a wild ride. Stories with plot twists, shocking endings, and unbelievable truths. Trust me when I tell you that this story is nuts. On the evening of May 12, 2003, 16-year-old Martha Puebla sat outside of her home in San Fernando. A strange car continued to circle the block, driving by slowly, before coming to a stop right in front of her house. A man got out, and as he started to walk toward Martha, she called out to him as if she knew him. The man, in a hooded sweatshirt, pulled out his gun and shot Martha in the head, killing her instantly. The only witness at the scene was a friend of Martha's. He ran away terrified, and in the process, he dropped his cell phone. When police found the cell phone, they eventually found the witness, who then was able to make a composite sketch of the suspect. Flash forward to a few months later, on August 12, 2003, as Juan Catalan was headed to work at his father's shop. He was swarmed by police, their guns drawn as they arrested him right in front of his confused father. Detectives Juan Rodriguez and Martin Pinner questioned Juan Catalan, who was in complete shock. He had no idea why he was there. The detectives told him that he looked like the composite sketch. And, oh yeah, there was one more thing. The murder victim just happened to be a young woman who had recently been called to the stand in a separate murder trial. Martha Puebla was one of the witnesses in the murder of her friend Christian Vargas who had been murdered in 2002. Two of the main suspects in the Vargas case were members of a violent street gang called the Violent Boys. And those suspects' names were Jose Ledesma and Mario Catalan. Mario was Juan's brother. When Martha Puebla was made to testify in the Christian Vargas case against Ledesma and Catalan, She actually tells the judge she cannot identify any of the men who murdered her friend. However, detectives now feel that maybe Juan Catalan is taking some revenge against Martha for testifying against his brother Mario. Juan Catalan swears he is innocent. He has nothing to do with the murder of Martha Puebla. But he also knows that he is in big trouble especially after finding out who was going to be the prosecutor in this case. The prosecutor was a woman named Beth Silverman, and Beth, who was otherwise known as the sniper in court, never lost a case, and she always went for the death penalty. One soon remembers his cousin bragging about a quote-unquote kick-ass lawyer named Todd Melnick, 
And Todd knew from the moment that he met Juan that his client was innocent. He promised Juan that he would get him out of there. But Todd also knew that he had a lot of work to do. His first job was to establish where Juan Catalan had been the night of May 12th. At first, Juan couldn't remember exactly where he had been. Months and months had passed since then. It was when Juan's girlfriend Alma noticed that May 12th was right around Mother's Day. On Mother's Day that year, Juan had given his mom tickets to the Dodger game, knowing well enough she wouldn't go. Juan instead brought a friend, his cousin, and his six-year-old daughter named Melissa to the game, which just happened to be on May 12th. Juan also remembers that after the game, he stopped to buy his daughter some baseball cards. He then drove his cousin home and then drove himself home. And that was that. Juan's lawyer, Todd Melnick, knows, though, that they need more proof. So he asks Alma, Juan's girlfriend, if she could find the tickets to the game. After turning the entire house upside down, Alma was able to find the tickets. But once again, Todd knew he needed more. Just because there were tickets didn't mean that Juan actually was where he said he was on the night of the murder. Next, Todd visited the stadium where the game took place. He took photos of the empty seats where Juan and his guests had sat. He then painstakingly went through hours and hours of footage, trying to identify the people in the seats surrounding Juan's. He started making phone calls, hoping that someone could testify in court that Juan was in fact where he said he was. But, unfortunately, none of the people that Todd called felt comfortable enough to go in front of a judge and say that 100%, without a doubt, it was Juan Catalan sitting next to them. So now Todd returns to the footage. This time he's looking at the footage that would have been used for the Jumbotrons. And after looking through 27,000 people, Todd finally finds Juan. But again... The footage is far too grainy to use in court, so Todd's at a dead end. As Todd returns to Juan, he once again asks him if there's anything else that Juan can remember from that night. It was then that Juan says he thinks that they were filming something that night in Dodger Stadium. So then Todd immediately contacts the Dodger Stadium Media Relations Department. And as he's sitting in the room with the woman who's flipping through several blank calendar pages, they get to the entry for May 12th. There's a single phone number. When Todd calls the number, the person on the other end of the line says, HBO. Todd explained the whole situation to the man on the other end, a producer named Tim Gibbons. Tim told Todd that he was sorry, but there was nothing they could do. They would have to wait until the episode aired because they could not pre-release footage. After the phone call, however, Tim spoke to the show's creator, a man named Larry David, who you might know from Seinfeld fame. Larry David told Tim that he didn't mind if they shared the footage, and so Tim immediately called Todd back, and they set up a time to go over whatever footage that they had. Larry David wasn't a name that either Juan or Todd recognized, and neither man was familiar with David's new show, a comedy called Curb Your Enthusiasm. The episode that was being filmed on May 12, 2003, was called The Carpool Lane, in which Larry tries to get to Dodger Stadium for the Dodgers game. However, Larry soon gets frustrated with the traffic, so he decides to pick up a sex worker in order to be able to get into the carpool lane and thus get to the game faster. 
There are eight tapes in total and only six minutes of footage on each one of those tapes. But this time Todd is hopeful. He needs to find Juan Catalan on those tapes. During the game, Juan's daughter Melissa had wanted some candy, so the two had gotten up to go to the concession stand. As the two try to return to their seats, they notice that the aisles leading back to their seats are blocked. A man working the production crew sees both Juan and Melissa, and even though he's not supposed to let them through and back to their seats, he does anyway. As Todd watches the footage from the show and the scene where Larry's trying to get better seats than the one he currently has, right there, clear as day, sitting back down into their seats, are Melissa and Juan Catalan. At first, this is a major win for Todd. That is until they realize that the last timestamp that Juan is on tape is at 9.15 p.m. Martha Puebla's murder occurred at 10.32 p.m. that same evening. So, Juan still would have had time to leave and commit the murder since the commute would have only taken 20 minutes. And there's another problem. Beth Silverman, the prosecutor, also points something else out. Juan's cousin lives on the same street that the murder took place, and according to Juan, he dropped his cousin off at 10.43 p.m. So that also puts Juan in the vicinity of the murder around the same time. So Todd did prove that Juan was at the game, but now he needed to prove that Juan wasn't at the murder scene. Once again, Juan's girlfriend Alma steps in. According to Alma, She'd been consistently calling Juan that night to see where he was and what time he'd be home. Taking this information, Todd knows that he can call the phone company to verify Juan's whereabouts around the time of the murder. According to the phone company, Juan's cell phone pinged off the tower that was located right across the street from Dodger Stadium at 10.12 p.m. The tower only had a one-mile radius, and therefore... Juan would have not made it to Martha Pueblo's home with enough time to kill her at 10.32 p.m. Juan Catalan was 100% innocent, and the judge in this case agreed, dismissing the case against him. Juan was set free after serving six months in prison. Juan Catalan sued the city of Los Angeles and the police force and was awarded $320,000. He's now a big fan of the show Curb Your Enthusiasm. The detectives in the case, Rodriguez and Pinner, were later investigated on how they conduct interviews. They found that the detectives use illicit force to get confessions, and Pinner was fired while Rodriguez was demoted off the homicide unit. In the end, three members of the Vinland Boys were arrested and charged with the murder of Martha Puebla. Jose Ledesma, the same man who was on trial for Christian Vargas, the friend of Martha, had sent a hit out on Martha after detectives Rodriguez and Pinner told him that she had implicated him in the murder, which she hadn't. The men responsible for Martha's murder were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And if you are curious, the night of the game, the Braves beat the Dodgers 11-4. to Sources for today's podcast were the Crime Column, ABC News, Daily News, and of course, The Long Shot, a Netflix documentary all about this case. And I know that you know all about it, 
right now, but it is still a really good documentary to watch. So I highly recommend that if you would like to actually watch the story itself as well. As always, if you want to discuss this case or any other case that we discuss here on this podcast, join the Facebook group. It is facebook.com course backslash this story is nuts podcast and talk about the cases that are covered on the podcast as well as other stories that might not quite make it in the podcast. So go ahead, join that group, be part of that true crime community. If you have a story for me, send me an email. It could be a personal story of yours. I would love to hear your story or a story that you want covered. That is thisstoriesnuts at gmail.com. All one word, all lowercase. You can also follow me on Twitter and on Instagram as well at thisstoryisnuts. And then just a reminder to come back for an all new episode next Wednesday of this story is nuts as soon as midnight that episode drops so i hope to see you then and until then stay nutty this episode of this story is nuts is written and produced by missy reese with theme music by logan reese off of groovepad <laughs>